With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Do not use the show's content as the basis for any investment decisions. Instead, consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence. Calls are pre-screened and the show was pre-recorded earlier this week. Rick Edelman is an investment advisor representative of Edelman Financial Services, a registered investment advisor which furnishes this program and also a registered principal of EF Legacy Securities and affiliated broker-dealer member FINRA SIPC. This is the Rick Edelman Show. Now... Here's Rick Edelman. And a very happy weekend to you. Hope you're enjoying the summertime. Rick Edelman here on The Truth About Money. 888-PLAN-RICK is the phone number you can call anytime you like all week long. And if we can't answer your phone call right then there immediately, we'll get back to you just ASAP and get you the answers to your questions about investments, taxes, mortgages, insurance, college planning, retirement planning, buying houses, leasing cars, getting out of debt, you name it. We'll talk about it. I want to ask you a question. What do these dates have in common? January 25th of this year, along with January 26th, February 9, 10, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 21, 22, 23, 24, and 27, March 1, June 1, 2, 9, 13, 14, 16, and 19, July 12, 13, 14, 19, 26, 27, 28, 31, and August 1, 2, 3, 4, and 7. What do those 35 dates have in common in 2017? You know what they are? They are the dates that the U.S. stock market, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, has hit an all-time high. 35 times this year so far, the Dow Jones Industrial Average has hit a new record. 35 times in about seven and a half months. We're on a pace for 20% of the year. We're going to be hitting all-time highs. Have you even noticed that? Have you? I think it's been happening so much every couple of days. In fact, many days in a row that we're just kind of like, oh, yeah, there's another all time high again. We're getting a little sanguine about it. We're getting a little cocky. We're going, oh, yeah, this is the way it always is, right? Well, uh, no, it's not. First of all, why is this happening? Well, inflation is still very low so low that the Federal Reserve is in no hurry to increase interest rates. Unemployment is also very low. We're at a 12-year low for unemployment. And investors are still very happy contributing money to mutual funds, uh, suggesting that they're staying focused on the long term. And let's face it, there's not really much of an alternative, is there? I mean, if you're not going to put your money into the stock market, where are you going to put it? into bank accounts that are earning zero point nothing, into bonds where the yields are very, very low, near historic lows over the last 10, 20, 30 years? Where are you going to put the money if not into the stock market? So partly it's the lack of options that is fueling investor interest in buying. Let's, of course, not forget the genuine fundamentals. Corporate profits are zooming. Companies are making more money than ever before, and the economic outlook remains very strong, supporting a healthy stock market. 
but nobody's really paying a whole lot of attention to any of this. I tell you, I don't get no respect. No respect at all. I mean, this is really the Rodney Dangerfield stock market. Nobody's really talking about it very much. It's not leading the evening news because you're not seeing the Dow Jones Industrial Average posting 400-point gains in a given day. It's doing it itsy-bitsy moments at a time. 30 points here, 50 points there. It's just the tortoise among the hares. But I just want to re-emphasize for you a message that I began to share last week. The fact that this isn't how it always works. That although we are enjoying a very long, sustained bull market, a period of rising prices ever since March 9 of 2009, well, you can expect that at some point stock prices will become stagnant and perhaps even decline. We are now experiencing one of the top 10 longest streaks ever without a 5% decline in the market. So eventually, we're going to see one of those 5% declines in the market. And my message to you is twofold. Number one, anticipate that we're going to see it. And number two, don't get scared when it happens. Because you don't need to take any action. You need to remind yourself that when the markets do go down, and, you know, they do from time to time, that isn't necessarily a statement that you need to take any action. And the reason I cite that fact, because you're probably saying to yourself, well, I know that. Yeah, market declines come here and there, and I don't need to do anything different than what I'm doing now. I hope that's what you're saying, because an awful lot of Americans are not saying that. In a recent survey by the FinTech Collective, 75% of Americans surveyed said they believe it's important to make financial decisions quickly when news becomes available. Ah! That's a terrible attitude. You don't need to react like a knee-jerk response uh, to someone tapping uh, on your knee. You don't need to respond to the instantaneous tweet that comes your way or a headline that goes across your phone. You don't need to act that way. Stay with your long-term plan. Recognize that we've been enjoying a long period of market increases, 35 records set so far this year, but that doesn't mean that declines won't periodically come and there's not much you need to worry about when it does happen. Just hang in there. We've got another date I want to mention to you. Monday, August 14. Yeah, it's this coming Monday. Why do I want to mention it? Because it was in 1935 that President Franklin Roosevelt signed into law the Social Security Act. Wow. Yeah, it's the anniversary of the Social Security uh, Administration. We have distributed since 1937, that's when payments first uh, began to get issued, we've distributed the federal government nearly $17 trillion to Americans over the past 80-some years. Today, 65 million Americans receive benefits from Social Security. 61% of retirees get at least half their annual income from Social Security. Wow. This is why Social Security is so vitally important. 
and why it plays such an important role in the financial planning process and why we devote attention with our clients to giving you advice on when should you start to take Social Security benefits. Should you take them as a worker yourself or as the spouse of a worker? What about the benefits for widows? What about the benefits for divorcees? What about the benefits for children of deceased parents? There are a lot of details associated with Social Security benefits, and that's why we talk about it a lot in our seminars. We talk about it a lot here on this radio show, and it's an integral part of the financial planning we do for our clients. If you are in pre-retirement mode, meaning you're in your 50s and you see Social Security in your future, you ought to get advice today in anticipation of turning 62 to see what you ought to do and when ought you do it, how ought you do it, because once you make that decision to start Social Security benefits, generally speaking, you can't undo that decision. So uh, it's a really big deal. And it gets a little more dicey because we realize that about $17 trillion that has been distributed to retirees over the last 80-some years, we also recognize that $17 trillion in taxes were collected to pay out those benefits. And the system was rather clever when Roosevelt created it. Current workers pay in a portion of their paycheck, and that money is distributed to current retirees. It's a pay-as-you-go system. Money goes in from today's payroll, and money comes immediately out to retirees. So the money you're putting in with your paycheck is not the money you will get later. It's after you retire, those who follow you, your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, their paychecks will provide you your benefits. And this whole system of this relationship between workers and retirees was a symbiotic one. It worked just fine because the number of workers greatly exceeded the number of retirees. But that ratio is getting inverted at this point. We now have two problems in the Social Security system that Franklin Roosevelt didn't anticipate. Number one we have a smaller number of workers per retiree than we did in 1930s. And those retirees are living a lot longer than they used to. Back in the 1930s, somebody hitting age 62 was only supposed to live for 14 years. Today, retirees are living a whole lot longer than 14 years. And as a result of that, the system is paying out more money than ever to more retirees and yet it has fewer workers, relatively speaking, to collect taxes from. And this is why Social Security taxes have been steadily rising over the past couple of decades. And it also means that the Social Security Trust Fund, which has been collecting more money than it has needed to pay out benefits, has been inverting that as well. We've been paying out in benefits more than we're collecting in taxes. And the Congressional Budget Office says that by 2030, the trust fund will be completely depleted. And if we don't do something about it, then we're going to have to sharply reduce the benefits that retirees get. When I say sharply, I mean a 30% cut in benefit. If over half of retirees, 61%, according to the Social Security Administration, if 61% of retirees are receiving at least half their income from Social Security, what happens when Social Security cuts that benefit by 30%? Could you afford a 30% cut in pay? I don't think so. I don't think retirees can either. And this is why it's so important that we fix the Social Security system to update it for today's demographics and investment environment 
And that is why I've been working very hard to try to get Congress to pay attention to this. I released a few months ago my solution for the Social Security crisis called the Trust Fund for America, TFA. You can read all about it at our website, rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. And I'll be sharing more information with you over the next several months over how we can help solve the Social Security crisis so it doesn't become an undue burden on workers without unnecessarily risking the financial security of America's retirees. I'm Rick Edelman. We're here to help you. 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-752-6742. Your phone calls and a lot more information coming up on the show, including a little quiz about your financial knowledge. Let's see how much you know. Stay with us right here for your financial quiz here on The Rick Edelman Show. 888-PLAN-RICK. Online at ricedelman.com. More with the author of the number one national bestseller, The Truth About Retirement Plans and IRAs, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Rick Edelman here with Brandon Corso with your phone calls here at The Rick Edelman Show. 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-752-6742. Let's head out to La Plata, Maryland. How are you doing, David? Good. How about yourself? Doing terrific. I've got a question. Um, can you, and it's kind of a loaded question, but can you actually save too much? Uh, meaning, do you save it for later and then run the risk of not being able to enjoy it, enjoy it later on? Yes. Do you uh, enjoy yeah. it while you have it, so to speak? Yeah, I, 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 Brandon, I, I would think sure. You can. I think we, we've come upon people who have definitely saved too much. Definitely, definitely. I mean, we see either extreme, yeah. and so usually the other. Yeah, usually <laughs> the other. But what would lead me to say somebody's saving too much? One, um, if they're so tight with their money that life's not even fun. Right. And truth is, we'll see that, and it's not healthy um, because life's supposed mm-hmm. to be enjoyable. And so um, the good news is there's a direct answer to the question, David, and it's Mm -hmm. called a retirement plan, a retirement projection, because this should all be based on how much do you need to save, right? So if if there was a projection done for somebody and it said, okay, how much income do you want to have? What age do you want to retire? What do you want your lifestyle to look like when you retire? What are you and your wife going to be doing? And based on all these assumptions, this is what we think you need to save. Well, now all of a sudden, you know what you need to save, and you monitor it, you track it, you try to save first, and then you know how much money's left over for everything else. Mm-hmm. And th- th- you're absolutely right that uh, there is more to life than money, uh, that money doesn't provide happiness, and life is very uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, either in our own lives, health-wise, income-wise, education, uh, job opportunity, marriage. Or the broader economy, you know, uh, there's, you know, the current fears of North Korea these days getting a lot of headlines. And so you never know. So to completely Mm -hmm. deny yourself all joys and pleasures in life because you are fixated so intently on that future goal down the road, I'm not so sure that's very healthy for anybody either. So. Uh, Yes, it is possible to save too much. And it's really important that you let your financial planner be that guide. I remember once getting in a big fight with a client. He actually ended up firing me over this, Brandon. I don't know if I ever told you the story. This was years ago. This guy and his wife, they were both retired. They were in their 70s. They had far more money than they were ever going to spend in their lives, nor did they have children. It was just the two of them. And we got into a conversation of vacation. 
you know, what were they, you know, they were planning for, for them, not really a vacation, but they still tend to call it that. They were going to go to Europe. And I said, great, you need to fly first class. He went ballistic. <laughs> that and, was what a waste of money, how yeah. inappropriate, how could I as a professional financial planner tell someone to squander <laughs> $15,000 on two round trip first class tickets and that was it. We were done. Our relationship wow. was over. He wow. was just furious. And I'm my and I'm looking at her and she's she's nodding with yeah. me. She's like, "Yeah, why aren't we?" The answer was wow. simple. He was a depression baby. Yeah. And growing yeah. up with money was so precious because it was so hard to come by. And you never knew where your next meal was coming from and the importance of saving for the future. And I was just trying to convey to him, look, you've been spending an entire life climbing that mountain. Guess what? You've reached the top. And if you don't change your attitude, you're going to fall off the other side. Dying rich isn't the point. And so we would argue uh, with you, David, it is possible to save too much. I, we would hasten to add, as Brandon did a moment ago, you probably aren't saving too much. So the odds that you can squander a bunch of money that you can drive a more expensive car than you should, or perhaps order that shrimp cocktail when you shouldn't, this is why you want a financial planner. And in fact, let, let's broaden the conversation a little bit, Brandon, to the whole notion of budgeting. Because our attitude on budgeting is, I think, quite different from the vast majority of financial planners in this country. Well, they, we think they stink. That's yeah. what we think about them. I mean, they're, nobody enjoys them. They're usually not that effective, and that's what matters the most. And so instead, what really matters and what helps is to have a plan, to have a projection, to have a target, to have the numbers that say, hey, this is if we want our dreams to come true, this is what we need to save. Exactly. And you save first. And once you hit that savings goal, then you're figuring out how you spend what's left. And that's a heck of a lot more, one, effective, and two, enjoyable than the alternative of sitting down and coming up with a budget. And this is why budgeting is a complete waste of time, because it's a promise of how you're going to spend money. And no one is ever able to stick to a budget. Just look at Congress. They got a budget and they never stick to theirs. <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. And the reason is stuff comes up in life that you didn't anticipate. You didn't budget and plan for the car breaking down or for your daughter to suddenly announce, hey, I'm getting married or hey, I'm having a baby, or hey, I lost my job, or hey, I just came back from the doctor and I got a problem. Stuff happens in life that we can't anticipate. And for all of those reasons, budgeting is a waste of time. But if you instead turn it upside down, as Brandon said, don't tell me how you're going to spend your money. Tell me instead how much money you need to save. And once you go ahead and save that amount, now you can take the rest of your money and do whatever you want to do with it, including flying first class to Europe. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That, make, that makes a lot of sense. And that's the whole key. Get a plan, come up with the amount you need to be saving, make sure you're saving it, and then enjoy yourself with the rest. Don't sweat the small stuff. There you go, David. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for your phone call. We're glad you did. Uh, David called us at 888-PLAN-RICK. You can do the very same. Get you all the answers to all the personal finance questions you've got, 888-752-6742. You can also check us out online at rickedelman.com. That's ricedelman.com. Click that red button. I want to talk to an advisor. You'll find an awful lot of personal finance content and information for you, including videos and audios on my website at rickedelman.com. And we're ready to help you. Uh, my colleagues at Edelman Financial will help you get the answers to the info that you need the very most. Stay with us on The Rick Edelman Show. More 
with the host of the PBS TV series, The Truth About Money, coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. And uh, how are you feeling? I'm a little worried about you. Uh, Is your job making you sick? Are you a fearful... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Of losing your job. Well, researchers at Ball State University and the University of Toledo, they analyzed data from more than 17,000 working adults. And they discovered that people who are afraid of losing their job, they're fearful that they're going to get laid off or that they're going to get fired. Well, A, here's no surprise, it makes them worried about their finances. That makes sense, right? If you're fearful you're going to lose your income, yeah, you could be worried about how you're going to pay your bills. But here's something even worse. People who worry about unemployment are also not only worried about their finances, they are also far more likely to report serious health conditions. They're more likely to have ulcers, diabetes, hypertension, and coronary heart disease. You need to recognize the connection between health and wealth, that the stability of your income by having a stable, safe job is really important for your ability to have a peaceful, carefree life, because that's really the goal. And so one of the ways that we can do this, you know, if if you aren't certain about the job security that you've got, we can provide a backstop there. You know, how do you how do you protect yourself against an unstable work environment? You make your income at work less important than it is. How do you do that? By having lots of other money set aside. I mean, let's face it. If you had a big bucket of money and you suddenly got fired, you would say, so what? I got a big bucket of money. And so we need to make sure that you have the ability to save and invest. And one of the strategies associated with that is knowledge. The more you know about saving and investing, the better you're going to be at it, the more likely you'll be to do it. And that's why I want to share with you 
the results of the American College's new retirement income literacy quiz. They did a survey of people who have $100,000 or more in investments. These are people doing pretty well, right? I'm sure you'd agree. And if you've got $100,000 or more in investments, you must be pretty knowledgeable about financial literacy, right? Wrong. In this quiz, they had about 30 or so questions. Three out of four people who took the test failed it. Three out of four. The average score, 47. You've got to be kidding me. A 47. How would you feel if your kid came home from school with a report card that showed a grade of 47? Only 5% of the people who took this quiz scored a B. Only 5%. Well, let me uh, just give you a couple of the questions, okay? Let's see, uh, see how well you know this info. A single person who's likely to live to age 90 is generally going to be better off claiming Social Security benefits at what age? 62, 66, 70, or 75? The correct answer is 70. Not 75. Why? Because once you hit age 70, benefits never increase after that. So you might as well start the benefit at 70 instead of waiting till 75. This is an illustration of how important it is to understand how this stuff works so that you're making the right decision that is in your best interest and generating the most potential profitability for you. Here's another one. Who pays for the majority of long-term care expenses? Is it Medicare, Medicaid, individuals, or long-term care insurance? Who pays for the majority of long-term care expenses? The answer, Medicaid. That's the federal health plan for the poor. You have to be in poverty in order to get the federal government to pay for you. Medicare does not pay very much in, in long-term care benefits. And speaking of that, here's another question, true or false. Medicare typically pays for a nursing home for one year. Is that true or false? The answer is false. They only pay for 100 days, not a full year, and only if you spend three days or more in a hospital first, getting skilled nursing care. A lot of folks don't need that. They don't go from a hospital to a nursing home. They go straight to the nursing home, in which case Medicare doesn't pay anything. How about this one? In order to avoid a penalty, IRA distributions must begin... In the year you attain what age? 55, 59 and a half, 65, or 70 and a half? The correct answer is 70 and a half. If you didn't know that, you could be taking money out of your IRA too soon, causing you to pay taxes before you really had to. How about this one? Which of the following long-term bonds typically has the highest yield? AAA-rated corporate bonds, B-rated corporate bonds, or treasury bonds? The answer, B-rated corporate bonds. Yeah, not the highest rated. They have the highest quality, the highest safety, not the highest yield. You could end up buying bonds that are riskier than you thought or lower in yielding than you thought if you don't know the right answer to that question. And how about this one? Suppose your savings account pays you 2% a year and inflation is 4% a year. After one year, will you be able to buy more, less, we're exactly the same. The answer is less. If inflation is more than your earnings, your buying power goes down. A lot of folks don't know the basic elements of how inflation works and the impact on your paycheck. Most experts agree that the best way to protect against inflation is to have a diversified portfolio of what? Stocks, bonds, or bank CDs? The correct answer, stocks. And yet today, more than half of U.S. households don't 
own any stocks. They prefer to have their money in bonds and CDs, incorrectly believing that will protect them against inflation. Two final ones real fast. True or false, buying a single stock is usually safer than a stock mutual fund. That's false. A basket of stocks is safer than a single stock. Because if one goes broke, you still got a whole bunch left, right? It's like 12 eggs in 12 baskets instead of just one. And finally, this one. If 100% of a mutual fund's assets are invested in long-term bonds and interest rates go up a whole lot, what will happen to the value of the fund? Will it go up a lot, down a lot, not change at all, or no way to tell? The answer, if long-term bonds experience a rise in interest rates, they will go down an awful lot. If you don't understand how interest rates affect your bonds, you could find yourself losing a lot of money when bond prices rise. The less you understand the answers to questions like this, the more important it is that you work with a financial planner who can assist you, helping you avoid costly mistakes that could impede your ability to enjoy the financial future you want. Call us and let us help. 888-PLAN-RIC. That's 888-752-6742. And let us help you like we've helped so many folks just like you. 888-PLAN-RIC at rickedelman.com as well. We're taking more telephone calls. California, Brian is with us on the phone. Welcome to the program. Hey, Rick. How are you? Terrific. How can we help? Good. Um, so my question surrounds um, putting money into a Roth IRA. I'm uh, 34 years old. I currently have um, a Contra Fund uh, Fidelity as well as a Target Index Retirement um, with Vanguard. Um, I've, been, I've had it for about four years, and there's about $10,000 a piece. Um, in each one. But really, my question comes down to if I'm only putting, you know, $2,750 or $2,800 a piece in each IRA per year, am I hurting myself in the long run by not combining it into one fund where maybe I would take advantage of a, a greater compounding interest? No, not necessarily. In other words, you're focusing a little too much, I think, on glassware and not enough on the wine. Uh, what we have to recognize is that different brokerage accounts, different IRA accounts, different financial institutions, they're all wine glasses. And it really doesn't matter in one sense. I mean, you're not having any material impact on yourself by having lots of accounts at lots of institutions and lots of different registrations. None of that really makes any difference. All you're doing is collecting stemware. What really matters is what wine are you pouring into each of those glasses? And that yeah. is what matters. It's the asset allocation decision. In other words, within a single IRA account, you can own as many different investments as you want. In a single glass, you can pour as many different types of liquid as you wish. And we would argue that you have lots of different liquids. They can all go in one glass. You can have a single IRA account, but you can have within that single IRA a whole bunch of different investments. And that is the real key that you should be focusing on. Okay, that makes sense. Brian, how old are you? Uh, 34. And these are IRA accounts, meaning you're going to hold them until you're in your 60s at least, correct? Correct. So that's a 30-plus year holding period. What's your attitude about risk? Scale of 1 to 10, 1 is low, 10 is high. How do you feel about risk tolerance? Uh, I'm not very risk-adverse. I'm pretty risk-tolerant, so I would say up in a, at least a 7. Okay. Based on your answers... It would make sense since you have a high risk. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tolerance, and you have 30 plus years of an investment horizon that you should, in fact, have your money invested exclusively in stocks. I would argue, though, not just U.S. stocks, but also foreign stocks, and not just big companies, but also mid-sized and small companies. In other words, a highly diversified, globally-based portfolio that heavily emphasizes the stock market, as opposed to the bond market. Because we know, historically, over very long periods, that stocks outperform bonds. There's a lot of volatility associated with it, and we all know past performance is no guarantee of future results. Any of the assertion to the contrary is a federal offense. But all that said, it's a reasonable expectation that over the next 30 years, an investment in a diversified stock portfolio will make more sense for you than anything else. Sure. Very good. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Rick. You're very welcome. We appreciate your phone call, Brian. Uh, I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Rick Edelman Show. In the studio with me, Brandon Corso. We'll be back. Triple Eight Plan Rick online at ricedelman.com. More with the publisher of the newsletter Inside Personal Finance coming up on the Rick Edelman Show. listening to the Rick Edelman Show. Brandon Corso joining me in the studio to take your phone calls at 888-PLAN-RICK. That's 888-752-6742. We're heading off to Fairfax, Virginia. Lena's with us on the phone. Welcome to the program, Lena. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Terrific. How can we help? Yeah. So I recently received um, an inheritance and I want to invest it in the stock market. And I'm all about buying low and selling high. And I know that the market is high right now. So I am interested in getting into the S&P 500 ETF. Lena, it's interesting you make the observation that the stock market is high right now. Compared to what? Um, it's it's just the highest. It's in the highest you know, numbers right now compared to 10 years, 20 years ago. You know. Yeah. Right? And that's the key yeah. point because if we do look backwards to compare yeah. the current market to history – you'll decide at any given moment, golly, the market is really high right now. Or back in 08, you would have said, golly, the market's really low right now. But of course, as you know, that's not the relevant metric, is it? The relevant metric, Brandon, is? What's going to happen moving forward? Yeah. I mean, where is the market going to be in the future? So 10 years from now, where do you think, right now the Dow's at 22,000, roughly. Where do you think it'll be 10 years from now, higher or lower? I would assume higher. Therefore, the market's really not all that high right now, is it? Because if you thought the market would be lower in 10 years, you certainly wouldn't want to be investing in the stock market, would you? Well, but yeah, it does go in cycles. So 10 years ago, now we're on upward cycle. And we're, you know, we really haven't had anything above the 10-year cycle that keeps going up. I'm not quite sure I follow what you just said. It goes in 10-year cycles. So every 10 years, we, you know, we we get a hit and then it keeps going up after that. That's not true. 
And so, no, no, that's not true. The market doesn't operate on ten-year cycles. Look at ten years ago. Well, just because ten years ago the market was low, and we've had a ten-year period where the market has risen, doesn't mean that it does that in every ten-year period. It did that in the last 10-year period. doesn't mean it'll do it in the next 10 years. In other words, if it did, if we knew for sure that that's what the market did every 10 years, we would know exactly when to invest and exactly when to sell. But because it doesn't do that on a predictable basis, uh, that's what makes it so much fun, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It's unpredictable. But, you know, I'm just kind of a little worried right now because it is going high and I don't want to lose anything in the next 10 years. So, Lena, something... uh, Lena talk to us about... Take out your crystal ball. How do you foresee using this money? When do you foresee using this money? I've, I've got a pretty balanced portfolio, you know, in everything. So this is sort of just extra investing um, that would help me, you know, in retirement, help me before that when my kids go to college. It's, again, some sort of an extra money. Okay. But I don't want to lose it either. Got well, it. Now you said. <laughs> so you want to make a lot of money with no risk and no taxes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So do I. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure we I'm got the story investor. here. Give me that yeah. investment. Yeah, exactly. But, but let me know when you find it. The problem is we can't have it both ways, Lena, right? So you started by saying, I want to invest in the S&P 500. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm willing to guess that you've looked and you see that that's done pretty darn well if you look backwards. Yeah. But you're also saying... I'm a little bit worried about the market and I want to, don't want to lose money. But the S&P yeah. 500 is a pure stock fund. So it is volatile. Yeah. It can go down in value. And so maybe yeah. instead of just focusing on one mutual fund or one technique, you need to take three steps back. You should sit down with an advisor to look at your total situation. I mean, you mentioned college funding, retirement planning. We need to look at all of it. And sometimes we're going to do ourselves a big disservice if we just invest and not take the time to go through the formal planning structure, um, because mm -hmm. I, I'm willing to think that you're going to be much better off at, instead of buying the S&P 500, you build a diversified portfolio based on the financial plan that you develop. Because the goal you set determines how the money should be invested, which is Brandon's point. Mm -hmm. If you're focusing on your kid's college, how long before your oldest gets there? 10 years. And how long will it be before you reach retirement? Um, probably about, uh, about 25 years. So there's a big difference between 10-year goal and 25-year goal. Mm -hmm. And that has a right. big implication for how the money ought to be invested. So we have to get very specific. We have to articulate very clearly what is the specific goal of the money. When will it be reached? Because that determines how we're going to invest. There's a second thing mm -hmm. I want to point out. You said you regard this inheritance as extra money. Yeah. You've got a bunch of savings and investments already, a bunch of it is diversified, and this is extra money to help you deal with all the above, yes? Right, correct. Wrong. It's not correct. This is not extra money. This is essential money. The fact that the money came suddenly, perhaps unexpectedly, and for certain not to be repeated does not take away from the fact that this is now essential resource. And therefore, you really shouldn't be treating it any differently than all of the rest of the money you have. So rather than saying, let's invest the money in a silo as a compartmentalized bucket, totally separate from the rest of my strategy, I would argue that we should simply add it to the existing strategy that you already have in place. If you've got a good strategy and it's working well and the game plan is effective, more 
is even better. Right. So I would argue that we should be looking not just at the money you've now inherited, but the total portfolio that you're dealing with to make sure that it is entirely on track correctly. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So that's why we would argue for you to meet with a financial planner. We have offices in Fairfax, Virginia, right in your neck of the woods, where we can Mm -hmm. sit down with you and your husband and examine the scenario you've got, the money you have saved, help you identify exactly the dates and deadlines for the use of the money, college and retirement are two you've already cited, to make sure that Mm -hmm. the portfolio is properly constructed and that the new money you have available is put to best use. Especially taking into consideration, you've acknowledged that the market's high, you believe it's going to go higher, but you want to protect yourself against risk. That makes it a little more challenging to execute and something we can do for you in a comprehensive financial plan. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're very welcome, Lena. Thank you for calling. I'm Rick Edelman. This is Brandon Corso with me in the studio taking your telephone calls. You know, if you were looking for more information than you're even getting right here on this radio show, specifically three subjects that I think are really interesting that of a tremendous value to you managing the money in your IRAs, maximizing your Social Security benefits, and protecting your assets with proper estate planning and beneficiary designations. Those are the three subjects in our new seminar, Preparing for Retirement. We're doing the seminar all over the country over the next couple of months, $15 a person, $25 a couple. Yeah, you can get the full seminar schedule online and register as well by calling 888-PLAN-RICK or by doing it at rickedelman.com. Just $15 a person, $25 a couple, and you'll get everything you need to know to help you prepare for retirement. I'm Rick Edelman. Stay with us. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. We'll be back. Providing personal finance advice for over 25 years. This is The Rick Edelman Show. This is The Rick Edelman Show. Now, here's Rick Edelman. 
Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. Thanks for joining me this half hour. We're going to be taking some phone calls later on in the program today, but I want to share with you the news that has just come out this week from the Department of Labor. The Department of Labor has announced their intention to delay the new fiduciary rule for another 18 months. The rule will now not take effect fully on January 1. Instead, it will now take effect July 1 of 2019. How did it come to this? I've been sharing with you news about the fiduciary issue in the financial services industry for the past several years. I've had on this program several times Phyllis Borzi, who's now the former undersecretary at the Department of Labor, who has spearheaded the efforts to have established this rule. What is the rule? Why does it matter? Why should you care? What does it mean for you that the rule's getting delayed? There are three different kinds of financial advisors. Most people don't realize this. There are insurance agents, stockbrokers, and registered investment advisors. Of the three, only one is required by law to serve your best interests. That's called the fiduciary standard, serving your best interest. It's the way you expect your doctor to serve you, your lawyer, your accountant. I don't think you expect your car salesman to serve your best interests, and they don't. They serve their own best interests. They serve their car dealership's best interests. You know that. You understand that. You get that. And so your guard is up. Your armor is prepared when entering into a negotiation, when you're buying a car. But people don't realize when dealing with a stockbroker or an insurance agent that they might be selling you a product that isn't in your best interest, might be in their best interest, might be in their employer's best interest. They might sell you a product that is more expensive than an alternative that's available. They might be selling you something because it generates a big commission. They might be selling you something that takes more risk than is necessary or prudent for you. Once they sell you the product, they have no further legal obligation to you. That product might make sense at the time they tell you to buy it, but later if your situation changes, your job loss or a marital issue or a health issue, they don't have any obligation on an ongoing basis to verify that what they told you to do before remains valid today. Brokers and insurance agents have no such obligation. Only registered investment advisors do. So when you're dealing with investment decisions, we believe you should deal with a registered investment advisor. No surprise, Edelman Financial Services is a registered investment advisory firm, and all of the financial advisors of Edelman Financial Services are representatives of the registered investment advisory firm, including me. Naturally, we believe that it makes sense to serve our clients' best interests. That's the way we operate. That's the way we're always going to continue to operate. And that's how we believe you should be treated from your financial advisor. But that's not the way the industry works. And so the Department of Labor came along after six years of study, analysis, effort, input from both consumers and the industry, created a rule that was supposed to take effect this spring, got delayed until June of this year, and fully implementable January 1 of next year, now isn't going to implement it for another 18 months. And what would the DOL rule require? It would require everybody, not just registered investment advisors, but also stockbrokers and insurance agents to serve your best interests, but only when dealing with retirement accounts, IRAs, and your workplace plan. Why only retirement accounts? Because that's the limit of the Department of Labor's jurisdiction. It would not affect taxable brokerage accounts. And so the industry has been fighting this. 
Although consumer groups across the board are strongly in support of this, although we have been strongly in support of this ever since the, the rule was under development, the industry hates it because the industry realizes they will no longer continue, be able to continue making the kind of money they've been making. Many of the products they've been selling you will no longer be allowed to be sold. Compensation plans are going to have to be adjusted, in many cases sharply reduced. Stockbrokers and insurance agents not able to make the kind of money they've been making selling the kind of products they've been selling in a great many cases. And so the industry has filed lawsuits. They have petitioned Congress. They have lobbied as hard as they can to get this rule defeated. And now they have succeeded in convincing the Department of Labor to delay implementation of the rule for another year and a half. So it's going to be another two years as of now before you will be able to have confidence that your advisor, regardless of who they are, regardless of who they work for, regardless of who licenses them, will be serving your best interests, which means the onus is still on you to defend yourself, protect yourself. And the single best way you can do that is to make sure that your advisor is a registered investment advisor, adheres to the fiduciary standard. And it's easy for you to find out. All you got to do is ask them. Just ask the simple question, are you a registered investment advisor? I hasten to add that registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training, but the answer is yes or no. If they say no, hire someone who is. If they say yes, all you got to do is say, prove it. It's easy for them to prove it. They will give you a copy of Form ADV. This is a federal disclosure document that we have to file with the SEC annually and provide to our clients and when they're brand new and then offer to give them a new one every year. And the Form ADV discloses the services we provide, our backgrounds, our fee schedule, our conflicts of interest, so that you are fully disclosed. Only registered investment advisors have a Form ADV. Ask your advisor for a copy. If they can't give it to you, they're not a registered investment advisor. It's really that simple. So here's where I get a little bit infuriated. They're the Insured Retirement Institute. This is a trade organization representing lots of folks. They have lots of members. They have uh, stockbrokers who are members. They have insurance agents who are members. They have mutual fund companies and brokerage firms and insurance companies all among their membership. And they have been leading the way, along with other trade organizations, in fighting this new rule. And they just released the results of a survey of their membership. And according to the Insured Retirement Institute, Members have told them that 155,000 consumers who have small account balances have already had their accounts orphaned by stockbrokers and insurance agents. Why? Because the stockbrokers and insurance agents are now saying, in anticipation of the new rule, we can't afford to serve you. We can't afford to take you as a client. And so they have walked away from those accounts and walked away from those consumers. 155,000 Americans have been abandoned by their stockbroker or insurance agent, according to the Insured Retirement Institute, because the accounts are so small that they can't make any money. And because of the new rules that they're anticipating coming down the pike from the Department of Labor, they're not going to be able to continue selling the high commission products that have allowed them to serve those small accounts. So here's my message. If your insurance agent or stockbroker abandons you, if they 
treat you like an orphan. If they say to you, I'm not working with you anymore because I can't make enough money doing so, call us. 888-PLAN-RICK. Our account minimum, our household minimum is $5,000. The account minimum is $3,000. And if you don't even have that, we'll help you anyway on a pro bono basis. We don't care how much or how little money you have. We work with a lot of clients who are multimillionaires, thrilled to do it, and these folks have important planning and investment needs that require our skill set. You know what? People who don't have millions of dollars need us too. The time to get a financial advisor is now, regardless of how much or how little money you need. And if someone else has the audacity, the gall, to say, sorry, you don't have enough money to waste my time, well, then you call us at Edelman Financial Services and we'll be honored, privileged to serve you, just like we serve thousands of other Americans all across the country. 888 You can visit us online as well at ricedelman.com. That's rickedelman.com. So call your advisor on the phone and say, do you plan to abandon me? It gives you a chance to fire them first. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Truth About Money. Stay with us. For more information on what you need to do now, go to rickedelman.com. That's rickedelman.com. Welcome back to the Rick Edelman Show. We're taking telephone calls, 888-PLAN-RICK. You can call that number anytime you like, and we'll get back to you just as fast as we possibly can to get you the answers to uh, all of your personal finance questions. 888-752-6742. That's what Art did. He dialed that number up. He's in Schwenksville, PA. Hey, Art, welcome to the program. How are you? Hi, Rick. Hi, Brandon. Good to talk with you. Hello, Art. Here's my question. Uh, my wife has a traditional IRA. I have a Roth IRA. We filed jointly. Uh, our combined income no longer allows us to get the tax benefit of the traditional IRA. So the question is, should I gradually transition the money from the traditional into a new Roth for my wife and then to avoid the one big tax hit and just contribute to that new Roth going forward? Uh, we also have other investments. I've got a 403B. My wife has a 401K through her business, and we contribute to both of those heavily. Are you maxing out the contribution? How much are you putting into those plans? Uh, I'm close to maxing out the 403B, and she puts in quite a bit. I, she's not maxing it out on the 401K, but she's she's working in that direction. Because at first glance, if you're not maxing out those plans, I think that would that's where you want to go first. I mean, you mentioned you can't do the deductible IRA because of your income. Well, then go ahead and max out the 403B and 401K. In essence, tax-wise, it's the same treatment. And by doing so, you're going to lower your taxable income. And then all of a sudden, maybe their income's low enough that you can do the deductible IRA. And that's, I, I get your point there, Brandon. But right now, in terms of the traditional IRA, it's kind of just sitting there would it be a good idea to start moving the funds from that IRA to a new Roth to potentially get some tax benefits down the road through that through that account? Yeah, probably not. I mean, you're, you're not on a low tax bracket today. That's part of the reason you can't do the IRA contribution anymore, as you were. So if you're going to convert some of the IRA to the Roth, you're raising your hand and saying, hey, I want to pay more taxes today. And, and that's normally not a good idea. 
Yeah, we you began with one conversation, Art, and then you morphed it to another. You began by saying, "Gee, we we're not really eligible to contribute in this kind of account because of our income." Right. So therefore, should we do something different with our contributions? That's one question. And then you said, and then should we take all the money we've already saved and do something else so that we have a massive tax hit right now on a strictly voluntary basis that is totally avoidable? What's the advantage of that? Even a gradual transition. What's the point? So, well, Why would you want to move a dollar from pocket left over to pocket right if moving that dollar forces you to pay 40 cents in taxes? Do not convert existing IRAs to the Roth. Okay. Good point. Thanks for the input, guys. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for the call. Hey, the Boston Bruins have just gotten themselves in hot water with the IRS. The Boston Bruins got caught, and they're going to be penalized at this time, a very significant penalty, a terribly inopportune time for the Boston Bruins to pick up a penalty of that nature and of that magnitude. Yeah, so here's what happened. Uh, the Boston Bruins, of course, a major uh, hockey team, goes on the road for half of their games. And when they're on the road, the players and the team staff all stay in a local hotel. And when they stay in a local hotel, they eat, right? They, they have meals in the hotel. And the Bruins take the expenses of those hotel meals and they deduct them as a business expense. And they take a 100% deduction. So if they spend 100 bucks on a meal, they deduct 100 bucks on their tax return. The IRS said, no, 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 no. You're not allowed to take a 100% deduction for travel and entertainment. You're only allowed to take a 50% deduction, which means if you spend 100 bucks, you only get to write off 50 bucks. And the Bruins deducted the whole 100 bucks. And so when they were audited, the IRS nailed the Boston Bruins and denied the deduction and hit them with back taxes, interest, and penalties. Well, the Boston Bruins, you don't want to mess with the Boston Bruins, right? They took the IRS to tax court. And the tax court noted that, wait a minute, the hotel does in fact count as the team's business premises, not the hockey rink where they play. The business premise is the hotel. Why? Because in order to have a successful hockey operation, says the tax court, the team has to conduct business, and they do so in the hotels. They not only have meals there, they also provide medical treatment to the players and conditioning sessions. They're all done in the hotel, along with meetings, and therefore... The hotels constitute de minimis fringe benefits, and therefore they can be deducted in full 100% deduction, not just 50%. And the Bruins have won it! The Bruins win! The Boston Bruins have won it! Uh, Don't try to do that at home, by the way. If you go to a hotel on business and you eat dinners out on the road, chances are you will be limited to a 50% deduction. You know, I've been giving financial advice to you for more than 30 years and doing this radio show for, what is it, 26 years or so now, and nine books and uh, hundreds and hundreds of seminars that we've done over the years, thousands of them, uh, I would imagine, and our monthly newsletter, 16 pages every single month we've been doing for more than 20 years and and just lots of financial content at our website at rickedelman.com, but a client of ours just offered me a piece of financial advice that I have never even considered, never even thought of this. 
after all these years, I don't think I have, I'm sure, I have never encountered this in any estate planning seminar that we do for continuing education. I've never encountered this in any of the textbooks that we read or any of the academic journals that we subscribe to. I've never heard any colleague talking about this, but it strikes me as really good advice, and I want to thank Mike for sharing it. And here's Mike's advice. Don't ever give your kids the same first name as yours or your spouse's. Think about that for a minute. It is really common, isn't it, for people to name children after themselves, right? It's John Jr. And here's why Mike says this. It's his own personal experience. He did this. And this is what he wrote to me in his email. When the kids are young, it's a cute subject of conversation. But when they begin to accumulate their own debt and apply for loans, it can be a nightmare. I'm going through a refinance on my house, he says. And my son, at the same time, was in the process of getting a loan for his home. We both are spending hours and hours on the phone with lenders, credit agencies, banks, and credit card issuers trying to explain to them who is who and what each of us are responsible for. I even had to send a written notarized letter to my lender attesting that I had never lived in or had a financial interest in the real estate he rented as a college kid. Just imagine, we all spend so much time and effort. Mike, thank you so much for sending this. We all spend so much time and effort in privacy protection, worry that someone will steal our name and take credit that isn't ours, borrowing money that we know nothing about, and you're handing this opportunity to your new baby. So I'm sorry to say you can't have as much fun as you were by naming kids after yourself, but I think, Mike, you've got a really good point. Think about that one when you're naming the baby. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Truth About Money. The name game. Shelly. Shelly, Shelly, Bo-Burly, Bo-Nana, Bana, Bo-Burly, Bo-Burly, Money doesn't come with instructions. More of your questions coming up on The Rick Edelman Show. Truth About Money, Rick Edelman here with Brandon Corso. Anytime you need help, call us at 888-PLAN-RICK or visit us online at ricedelman.com. Click that red button. I want to talk to an advisor. Hey, Rick. Next, let's go to Detroit. We're going to be talking to John. Welcome to the program. How can we help? Hi. Uh, well, my wife and I recently had a new baby boy. Congratulations. We were in the hospital. Thank you. When we were in the hospital. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Have you fill out forms. One of them was 
believe it was the birth certificate form, and at the bottom, one-liner. It asks you, do you want to apply for Social Security or, you know, enroll in Social Security? And I checked off, we checked off the no box. And the reason mm. I did that is I don't have a lot of faith in it. I don't maybe enroll later or something. I cannot think of any reason, can you, Brandon, for not enrolling your child immediately in Social Security? I mean, John, are you worried about identity theft for your child, and that's what you're concerned about? Well, you know, Social Security isn't doing well. I, I might go bankrupt. That has nothing to do with it, John. John, it has nothing to do with it. Oh. It doesn't matter whether Social Security is there or not. Getting a Social Security number has nothing to do with the solvency of the Social Security system. Yeah, because, John, you mentioned it earlier. When you file your tax return, guess what the 1040 is going to ask you? If you want to file a dependent, and you do because you get a tax deduction for it, you're going to put the name of your child and guess what? The Social Security number. You're probably also going to have to provide that to the health insurance company where the child will be covered. The child will never be able to get a job without having a Social Security number because at that point, the child is going to have to be paying Social Security taxes. And that's your concern, is that if the Social Security system is going to go defunct, why on earth would you want to have your child contributing to the system? It's not optional. That's the point I was making earlier. It's not optional. If you're going to work in this country, you're going to pay Social Security taxes. Unless you're going to be in a cash business where you're engaging in the underground economy, which is all, by the way, illegal, you're fussing over nothing, John. But Get the number and... Let it go. Yes, get the number, let it go. But I do want to emphasize two points. The first one that Brandon alluded to, I want you to elaborate on that, Brandon, about the notion of privacy theft. Yeah, so I struggle to think of anybody who doesn't know somebody that uh, has lost their identity or at a minimum had a credit card number stolen or used. And so it's, it's a sad reality in today's world that we have to guard very carefully all of our data because there are bad people out there that want to steal our social security number, our credit card number, and use it to their benefit. And so what one thing we have seen is, unfortunately, people have actually filed tax returns under social security numbers for children. And in some cases, they've actually gotten refunds. I mean, don't ask me how it happens. I just know it does. And so one thing you can do if that's a concern is you could, depending on the rules in your state, you could literally freeze the social security number for your children. A lot of states charge a very minimal fee, but let's face it, you're not going to be borrowing money for your children for 10, 20 years. So it's not a bad idea to consider. In other words, we always encourage folks, and you hear lots of folks saying this as well, to check your credit record once a year. You can do so for free under federal law to verify that all of your accounts and your credit report are correct, accurate, uh, without any errors. But it's not very common for people to think about doing this on behalf of their minor children. Until that kid goes to college, fills out the financial aid form, and then discovers that while they were a baby, someone stole their personal identity and has been racking up credit card bills and other debts in the child's name for 10, 15 years with nobody knowing it because it never occurred to the parents to check on the kids' social security numbers. So make sure you're doing this not only for yourself once a year, at a minimum, but also on behalf of your minor children. So that's the first point. Go ahead. Who would I contact to freeze, since we're still on that? Who would I contact to freeze his social security number? Go to annualcreditreport.com, and there you have access to the three credit agencies that will provide you with 
the credit report for yourself and that of your children, and they will show you how you can put a freeze on your, you're not putting a freeze on the number, you're putting a freeze on your credit record so that nobody can obtain credit in your name. Ah, gotcha. Okay. The second point I want to make, uh, which is, I think, the bigger one, the, the, the reason for your call in the first place, John, is your concern that the Social Security system is going broke. You're right. It is. I've been talking about this issue for quite a long time here on this radio show, and uh, we all know the, the terrible scenario uh, that the Social Security system is facing. We are currently spending more, meaning the system is paying out more in benefits to retirees than it's collecting in taxes from workers. And at this rate, the entire Social Security Trust Fund will be broke by 2030, according to the Congressional Budget Office. And unless Congress does something about it, starting in 2030, benefits are going to be reduced about 30%. And taxes on Social Security are going to rise dramatically as well. This is why I released a few months ago a proposal called the Trust Fund for America to solve the Social Security crisis. And we have been trying to spread the word to not only our representatives in Congress, but to consumers across the country to raise awareness of the urgency of uh, us having to fix the Social Security system. My proposal on how to solve the Social Security crisis is available on my website. It's at rickedelman.com, ricedelman.com. It's called TFA, the Trust Fund for America. I encourage you to download it for free, read it, share it with friends, and most importantly, encourage your members of Congress to engage in debate on solving the Social Security crisis so that you don't have to worry about it for your children. I'm aware of your proposal. I, I liked it. I just don't have a lot of faith in Congress adopting it. I just think it makes too much sense, <laughs> and they didn't think of it first. Well, I'm not— think of it I, first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John, I'm not sure I, I disagree with you. I, I'm, I'm not so sure Congress will do anything that makes a lot of sense either. <laughs> but uh, we have no choice but to try, right? <laughs> but like you say, contact your local and your congressman and woman and all this. Very good. Get John, thank you so much for your call. Really appreciate it. Thank you both. I'm Rick Edelman. Brandon Corso here. Hey, guess what? August is. It's the beginning of hurricane season. And you need to ask yourself a question. Is there a risk that your home may be damaged by flood? You need to keep in mind that flood damage is not covered by your homeowner's policy, most likely. Private insurance companies don't protect against floods because they don't like to insure things that everybody knows is likely to happen. So the only way you can protect your home if it's damaged by a flood, financially that is, is through the National Flood Insurance Program. This is, In other words, the federal government is dumb enough to sell you an insurance policy to protect against your home getting flooded. Why? I don't know, but they do. And so you need to buy a policy from the National Flood Insurance Program, and you need to do it immediately if you have a risk of your home being flooded if you're in a floodplain or if you're below sea level and whatever. And the reason you have to buy it right away is because you can't wait to hear on the evening news that there's a prediction of a big storm coming next week. Because when you buy this insurance from the National Flood Insurance Program, is a 30-day waiting period before the coverage takes effect. So you got to buy it now well in advance of hurricane season. So if you don't have proper coverage, and don't assume you do because you have a homeowner's policy, it doesn't cover you. 
you need to go get a policy from the federal government, the National Flood Insurance Program, to make sure you have the protection you need because we've all seen those horrible videos of people's homes destroyed by flood. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Truth About Money, 888-PLAN-RICK, online at ricestellman.com. Named by Talkers Magazine as one of the heavy hundred talk show hosts in America, this is The Rick Edelman Show. Welcome back to the program. Rick Edelman here. We've been talking a lot for the past several years about exponential technologies. What's going to happen in your personal finances as a result of innovations in artificial intelligence, robotics, 3D printing, nanotechnology, biotechnology, bioinformatics, big data, material science, financial tech, education tech, and a lot more. It's all the subject of my business bestseller on the New York Times list, The Truth About Your Future. And I want to share with you some of the latest innovations and announcements that uh, weren't even around when I wrote the book, which just came out a few months ago. There's a team at the University of North Carolina that has created a machine learning app. It can detect autism in infants as young as six months old with a high degree of accuracy. As with any illness and disease, the sooner we can detect, the better we're going to be at treating. Researchers at Northwestern University have created ovaries using a 3D printer, and they use this to give infertile mice the ability to give birth. How long will it be before women struggling with fertility issues will be aided by 3D printed ovaries? Zoom Pizza. It's a new pizza maker. Entering the competition against Domino's and Pizza Hut and all the others, they're making pizzas, but not with humans. They have robots that are making the pizza. A robot presses a ball of dough into a flat circle. Another robot squirts a glob of sauce onto the dough. Another robot evens out the sauce to cover the whole crust. Humans add the toppings, but then the robots transfer the pizza to an oven, and the robots chop the finished product into eight even slices. And this whole process, by using robots, not only saves labor costs, making the whole exercise cheaper so the pizza is less expensive, they're able to make those pizzas 36 seconds faster than humans are capable of doing it. There's a company in Norway that is launching next year the first crewless ship, and it will also be fully electric, not burning fossil fuels. The ship costs $25 million. That's three times more than a traditional ship of similar size. So why would they, why would they bother building a crewless ship that's three times more expensive? Because it doesn't need fuel or a crew, so it's 90% cheaper to operate. They get cost recovery within three years, and after that, massively profitable. And how about Alphabet? You know, that's the parent company of Google. They're now raising male mosquitoes that are sterile, designed to curb the spread of Zika in Fresno, where they're engaging in their first test. Google? Male mosquitoes that are sterile? What are they going to get into next? Well, I'll ask you this question. I want you to name a top software company. What comes to mind? Now, when I first looked at that, my attitude was Microsoft, IBM, Apple. Big software companies, right? General Electric 
Would that name come to mind? GE has announced that they plan to be a top software company within three years. They have launched a $1 billion initiative to exploit the vast amount of sensor data that comes out of all of its machines. The old is becoming new again. All this, the subject of my book, The Truth About Your Future, explaining how does this impact your investment strategy? Are you buying in your portfolio stocks of the 20th century, like Kodak, or stocks of the 21st century? So you need to evaluate what do you own in your investment strategy? Are you investing for the future or are you relying on the successes of the past? And uh, one thing you uh, may be aware of, because we've talked about it a few times here on the program, is an ETF called the iShares Exponential Technologies ETF. Uh, it just got written up in Barron's this past week, and uh, Barron's has said the following. Making a better technology ETF, they said. The article says, quote, if you want to invest in the future, buy tech stocks, or so the conventional wisdom goes. But if you invest in either of the two most popular tech ETFs, the technology sector Spider or the Vanguard Information Technology ETF, about a quarter of your portfolio goes into just two stocks, Apple and Microsoft. Worse, both ETFs have more than half their assets and only 10 stocks. Will Apple and Microsoft be tomorrow's fastest-growing tech companies? That seems doubtful. The future will belong to newer innovations, and a new ETF aims to capture that. The iShares Exponential Technologies ETF has a much broader definition of technology. Without Rick Edelman, there would be no ETF. It was his research on exponential tech and the desire to invest in it that led him to approach BlackRock, the world's largest money manager, which hired Morningstar and launched the iShares Exponential Technologies ETF in March of 2015. As Morningstar put it in a white paper, quote, Exponential technologies are those advances expected to create significantly positive, nonlinear economic benefits for the companies that produce or use them, unquote. So I'm really excited to see Barron's covering the Exponential Technologies ETF. Uh, I am the inspiration behind it. It was because of our desire to provide this type of investment opportunity for our own clients and for investors all across the country. And no such investment opportunity existed, and that's why I approached BlackRock, the world's largest money manager with, uh, and, and the owner of iShares, the largest ETF provider. And I uh, was really excited when BlackRock agreed to do it and launched it in March of 2015. As Barron's notes in the article, they say, quote, Edelman receives no compensation from the ETF, which is true. There's no financial relationship between me and BlackRock or me and Morningstar, nor of, with Edelman Financial Services. Our firm nor I have no financial connection, no compensation. We're not sub-advisors. We don't earn any fees from the ETF. I, as a financial advisor, merely wanted to have the product created so that we could invest in it on behalf of our clients and that all investors everywhere would have access to it. But I do want to add that we do have a conflict of interest in talking about it. Although I earn no compensation and Edelman Financial earns no compensation from this fund, our clients do own about 80% of it. The fund is about $1.2 billion in assets, and our clients collectively have about 80% of that. So we and our clients do benefit if the price of the fund goes up. And so my talking about it could cause people to buy it. It could cause the price to rise. And so, yeah, there's no question that I have a conflict of interest in even raising this. And those conflicts could even influence our decision to use the ETF or other iShares ETFs either now or in the future. So I want to be sure to mention that to you. 
If you have any interest in it or if your financial advisor does, investors uh, need to obtain the prospectus. Uh, you should carefully consider all the investment objectives, the risks, the charges, expenses associated with the ETF and any ETF. It's important information you'll get in the prospectus, and you can get it by contacting us. We'll be happy to send you a copy of the prospectus at Element Financial. Just call us at 888-PLAN-RIC, or by contacting your own financial advisor, or even by contacting BlackRock. Their phone number is 800-474-2737. And make sure you always read the prospectus before you ever invest. Excuse me, you're sitting on my prospectus. Yeah, sorry about that. It's the Truth About Money. Rick Edelman here with Brandon Corso. Anytime you need help, call us at 888-PLAN-RICK. We're headed off now to Manalapan, New Jersey. Steven's with us on the phone. Welcome to the program, Steve. How are you? Good day, Rick and Brandon. The question I need to ask is, uh, I'll be selling a commercial property in the New York area, and um, I'm kind of familiar with the 1031 exchange rules, but now I'm being solicited about these DSTs, the Delaware Statutory Trusts. And I'm concerned about the liquidity and the loss of control that they uh, offer. Yeah, as well you should be. The whole nature of putting money into a vehicle of that type is exactly that, loss of control. And uh, the advantage of doing so is that there uh, are benefits from a tax perspective. But in our experience, these things are really designed for very wealthy uh, individuals and families, people with $100 million or more uh, to their net worths. I don't know that if you are simply holding on to a particular piece of property and it's um, appreciated in, in, in value and you're trying to avoid the capital gains tax upon sale right now, that that is necessarily uh, the ideal solution for you. It would seem to me that either a Starker exchange, which you mentioned, a, a Section 1031 of the tax code, uh, commonly referred to as a Starker exchange, allows you to defer the tax. There's a downside there too as well. Uh, as you know, Stephen, it, the only way you can defer the tax is if you sell this property and replace it with another property that is similar to it. It's called a like-kind exchange. In other words, if the money's still locked up in the value of the real estate, you haven't generated any liquidity. So I'm not sure it's necessarily solving your problem. At some point, you're going to want to take the cash and spend it on other things. And at that point, you're going to incur the tax liability. Great. Okay, well, thank you very much, and I appreciate your advice. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much for calling. We're about out of time. Uh, I want to say thanks so much, Brandon, for joining me on the program here uh, with all these phone calls, and to you for joining us as well. You're welcome to contact us anytime you wish, 888-PLAN-RICK or online at ricedelman.com. Remember, if you love the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I'll see you next week. Get the truth about money. Every weekend on The Rick Edelman Show. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.